Um, hi, I'm Josiah, and this is Lachlan, and we're from Boys Brigade, and we're going to do the Bible reading. Romans 3, ver verse 21 to 26, righteousness through faith. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Romans 12, 1-2 a living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies and living sacrifices. Holy and pleasure to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not confirm to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good. Pleasing and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord. It's been a great morning so far, looking at uh, what God's been doing in brigades uh, and working in many of the boys' and girls' lives. Uh, this morning, we have the privilege of having two of the senior boys share from us from the book of Romans. So keep uh, your Bibles open to Romans. Uh, the seniors have just finished a series looking at Romans this year, and it's a great opportunity for them today to share God's word with us, to remind us, encourage us, and even to challenge us as we live for God. Uh, the two boys, they're going to be sharing uh, from two of the highlights or the peaks or climactic moments in this letter. Uh, Liam, uh, he's going to come up in a second. He's going to focus on Romans 3, 21 to 26. Uh, this is a passage that Martin Luther calls the chief point, the very central place of this epistle and of the whole Bible. So it's a really important passage. And then Michael, he's going to come up and he's going to look at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, for Romans 12, for Paul, uh, this phrase, it's the glue between theology and practice for Paul. It's gospel truth meeting gospel living, the cross and what it means for us as we live for God. So I'm really excited to hear what they have to say. And I want to encourage all of us, boys and girls and the rest of us, to really listen carefully as these boys bring God's word to us. So like to invite Liam to come up. He's going to speak on Romans 3, 21 to 26. Um, good morning. For those who don't know me, my name is Liam. And if you do know me, my name is still Liam. <laughs> don't tell Ryan I said that. <laughs> um, so let's just start off by praying. 
Dear Lord, we come here today not as individuals, but as a community united through you. Thank you for the opportunity to come here and talk about you in a safe and judgment-free environment. I pray that you give each of us guidance to do what you have said and to be courageous as you were when you died on that cross for our sins. Amen. Um, so let's just start off. The first two words of this passage, but now, are probably some of the greatest two words in this great epistle. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones calls this the great turning point in Romans. And it all starts with those first words. To really see this, you have to zoom out a little bit and look at Romans as a whole. The first two and a half chapters of Romans, Paul sums up in chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The first part of Romans makes it clear that no one is saved by the law, because it is not by having the law that you are saved. It is by obeying the law. And who is in their life has fully obeyed the law? I know I have not. And in fact, Paul gives an answer to this as well in chapters 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. And again in Romans chapter 3, verse, 20, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned worthy of death. Because what makes our sin so bad? It is not because some sins hurt others. It is not because sin isn't good for us. Our sin is so evil because of who we are sinning against. We are made from dust. The great God who took up a handful of dust and blew life into it. We, him who said, let there be light, and there was light. Him who cast billions and billions of stars into space with one word. We had the audacity to look him in the face and say no. To say that we would rather die than obey the very one who created us. There are no small sins because there is no small God. We truly are wretched creatures. And even when evangelizing to non-Christians, you'll find that the one thing we most agree on in the Christian faith is that no one is perfect. Our total depravity as humans is the most, thing, is the most obvious thing in our lives, which is where this passage comes in today. For where then is there hope? If we are saved by obeying of the law and no one is, has obeyed the law, then our situation is hopeless. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. But now there is hope. But now that Jesus has been crucified, there is righteousness made known, made apart from the law. We no longer are in that hopeless situation. So now, when the devil tries to overcome us and guilt of great sin, we can say, yes, that is true. But now I am changed. I am a new person. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. That is the beauty of those hope-giving words, but now. The second point is the nature of the righteousness. The remainder of this passage shows how this righteousness comes about. And it is no less beautiful than the first verse. Verse 22 states, This righteousness is given through faith, Jesus Christ, to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The righteousness that we receive, that hope, that gives us hope, is given to us through Jesus. Apart from Jesus, there is no righteousness. There is no hope. But this righteousness is not given to all people. This righteousness is given to those who believe. And this comes up again and again in the New Testament. 
Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And many more passages like these. Scripture makes it clear that no one is saved apart from faith in Jesus. But how does faith in Jesus save us? Paul answers this question in verse 25. Romans 3, verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of anointment through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Jesus is a sacrifice of anointment through the shedding of the blood, which may not help clear things up that much. The punishment of sin is death. The scripture makes that clear in passages like Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. So when Jesus went on that cross, he took upon himself the sins of the world, and then he died, so the punishment has been dealt. There is no more sin in our hearts because that sin was placed on Jesus, and then he was punished on our behalf. So in Jesus' death, he anointed for our sins through the shedding of his blood, which we receive by faith in him. And that is why this passage is a great turning point in Romans, because it takes us from the earlier chapters which tell us of our sins and how we deserve to die to a hope which we can have in Jesus Christ because he died in our place. But now we have hope where we had none, thanks to Jesus. Finally, what does this mean for practically? It means that instead of trying to win the world's approval through money, merit, status, good works, etc., we should be trying to win God's approval we have hope. This is possible to see with our Creator and Saviour. That concludes it for me. Now Michael's going to come up and talk about what this means in a practical sense. Hello, I'm Michael, and I'll be giving, I'll be talking about. Um, Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Before Romans 12, Paul has mostly focused on the principles underlying the Christian faith. He's taught that God, in his great mercy, has made a way for us to be able to have a true relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. From chapter 12 onward, Paul starts focusing mostly on the practical applications of what the gospel requires us to do and how, as Christians, we are supposed to act. Here in Australia, most people think highly of a nice leisurely day on the beach. For kids, that would no doubt include building huge sandcastles, running away from the waves, and trying to bury your parents and siblings in the sand. For adults, it might involve lying on your back for most of the day and reading or sunbaking. Um, now, just picture this, though. You decide to go for a swim, but the water's very crowded and just, just outside the flags, there's a nice patch of free water. Uh, you don't plan to go in too far though, so, and you're a good swimmer, so it doesn't really matter that you're outside the flags. So you lazily swim out around near the shore until suddenly you're pulled out to sea by an enormously strong, strong current, a rip. You try to get your feet back on the ground, but you've already been swept out too far. You desperately strike out for the shore, but the current is too strong. You're going to die. 
the current just keeps pulling you further and further out to sea, towards death. As you accept your fate, you are suddenly gripped from behind by a lifesaver who lifts you to safety. He takes you all the way back to the beach where you're safe. So in our walks with God, Jesus is our spiritual lifesaver. From the day we are born, all humans are drawn towards physical and spiritual death by the unyielding currents of sin. Sin is our riptide, pulling us to our deaths, away from life and joy of the beach. We don't have the strength to pull ourselves out of this spiritual riptide. So we are doomed to death and eternal destruction from the start. Lifesavers, however, are volunteers who risk their lives saving other people from their own silly mistakes. This is an excellent description of what Jesus Christ did for us. He voluntarily came to save us from our own selfish sins, not only risking his life in the process, but rather knowingly sacrificing his life. Of course, after the lifesaver bravely rescued you from your impending death, you'd be very grateful to him, and you would try to repay him for his brave act. One thing you definitely wouldn't do is run back out to that same patch of water and repeat the stupid mistake which endangered your life in the first place. Even if it is nicer in the uncrowded waters, it would be insulting to the lifesaver who just saved your life if you not only risked your life for a small pleasure after he bravely risked his own life for yours. The same principle should apply to Christians. We know that Jesus has saved us from the riptide of sin. Therefore, it is insulting to Jesus when we throw ourselves straight back into sin after he has so mercifully saved us. However, humans have a natural tendency to conform. In this universe, there are only two things we can conform to, the depravity and sinfulness of this world or the perfection and purity of God's will. Therefore, in order to not revert to our original sinful nature, we must conform to God's will. Roman 12 verse 1 urges us that, in view of God's mercy, his selfless sacrifice, we should conform to God's will by offering our bodies as living sacrifices to please God. For our sacrifices to please God, however, we must be pure and holy. So we must attempt to resist temptation and remain pure. This means that we must attempt to keep our physical and spiritual bodies completely sin-free at all times, no matter how difficult it may be. This includes being willing to endure suffering and persecution for the glory of God. We must be ready to suffer as Jesus did. Romans 12 verse 2 tells us not to conform to the sinful way of this world, but rather to renew our minds. This refers to a complete rewiring of our brain and re-establishing it with God's will at the forefront. This new way of thinking should be forefront in our minds at all times, not just on Sundays and not just at certain parts of the day. It requires us to think like Jesus did, with love and compassion. 
even to our enemies. The verse mentions that this will transform us physically as well as spiritually, allowing us greater understanding of God and his great will. Every single person in this room has sinned and is being pulled towards death by sin's inescapable riptide. However, through Jesus Christ's sacrifice, God has mercifully, provi mercifully provided an escape. You can ask Jesus, our lifesaver, to take your hand and pull you from the deadly current towards the beach of eternal life. And once you are there, express your gratitude to the one who saved you by conforming to his perfect, holy will, by offering your whole bodies as living sacrifices, which are holy and pleasing to God, as well as transforming your mind, your thoughts, dreams, and hopes, so that at all times, not just on Sundays, they reflect the holiness and righteousness of Jesus Christ. Thank you. It's a very encouraging and challenging word from the boys. How about we pray as we finish off? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. That when there was no way for us to make ourselves right with you, that you provided a way. And it was through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for these boys and girls this morning, the way that you've been working in their hearts and minds this year at Brigades. Lord, we thank you for the fun times they've had. And Lord, we thank you for times where they've been confronted with your truth and your saving love. We ask that you keep reminding us all of your saving message. Help us to live at the foot of the cross, loving Jesus and living for him. Lord, we help... We ask that you'd help the parents, the leaders, and all of us as a church to be a godly example to these young men and women, that we would teach them your word, that we would live as good witnesses for Jesus. Use all of us mightily for your kingdom's sake. Help us to be living sacrifices for you in light of all you've done for us through your son, Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. <laughs>